Shall we just pray? Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us together, Lord, to worship you, to praise you, Father. God, even as I share, I pray, Father, that we would learn truths from your word, Father, about who you are, about your majesty, about your great love for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, but today I want to share about this extravagant love of God. And uh, I'm sure all of us would have experienced it. And I just want to take a couple of verses uh, to go through this. First of all, this word extravagant, uh, it, it is a love that lacks restraint. Okay? It's a love that is so generous. And uh, if you look at these words, I took these from the dictionary. It says, exceeding what is reasonable or appropriate, or being excessive or elaborate. A love that continues to love in spite of who we are. It's a very excessive love. Uh, you know, people get upset about that love. Uh, but that's the, that's the love of God that he has uh, for each of us. Uh, I remember that, that parable where, where God promises a certain amount of money to the people who come and work. There have been people who have been slogging it from morning till evening. And then uh, some people come in just for the last hour. And God pays them all equally. I mean, that, that, uh, the owner of that vineyard, he pays them all equally. And people ask, uh, ask, ask him, how come we all got the equal amount? I mean, some of us have been working for a long time. Some of us have been working for a very short time. And then the owner of this vineyard uh, replies by saying, uh, why are you so upset because I'm so generous? You know, And uh, it, it uh, portrays God to me that he is much more generous than we could even think of. Okay, and his love is uh, so generous also. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18, uh, Paul writes to the church at Ephesians and he says, I wish that you may have the power to understand how uh, wide and long and how high and how deep God's love is. You know, that in our lifetime that we would understand, that we would even catch a grasp or, or, a, or a glimpse of how big or how great or how deep and wide uh, God's love is. Uh, this is one of my favorite songs. I just put this up. I like some of the lyrics of this song. Uh, he is jealous for me. He loves like a hurricane. I'm a tree bending beneath the weight of his love and mercy. Some of the picture that comes to my mind is a mighty oak tree. And, a, and an oak tree that is uh, so solid but then the, the wind that comes on it can be so intense that it can even bend it. You know? And this love or this intense uh, weight of his love and his mercy. Love is one thing, his uh, grace is one thing, his mercy is another thing. Mercy is given to people who just don't deserve it and it is just out of uh, a, a tremendous love that he has for us on the hope that if I show this person uh, if I continue to love this person, things will just change, will, will turn around. That is mercy. Mercy is at the, at the last straw, God still loves us. That is the mercy that God has for us. Anyway, these are some of the thoughts that I had. God's love, his unrelenting love, his unconditional love, his faithful, his extravagant, his sacrificial love. Today, I just want to speak about his sacrificial love. Uh, because we are also taking communion today, and I just want to share a couple of thoughts on this. You know, when I was doing my, uh, when I was uh, in Chennai, uh, doing my post-graduation there, I had uh, a colleague of mine who came to me one day and said, uh, Yada, you Christians, you will just do whatever you want, 
and then you will ask god to forgive you and uh, and he'll forgive you no he said in a very mocking demeaning way about our god that you will do whatever you want and then you'll go and ask him to forgive you and he will you know uh, i was not provoked by what he said uh, even though he meant it in a very demeaning way but uh, looking back on it i thought it is true it is true in the sense that there is a place that we can go and ask for, for forgiveness and there is we have a god who forgives us you know and i wish that he would have also experienced that that thing of in, in spite of what we do when we go back to him and say lord i'm sorry for what i did that we have a god who will forgive us and that's what the prophet micah says in micah chapter 7 he says who is a god like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of your people who's a god like you it's like he throws in a challenge and he says who's a god like you who pardons sin and forgives transgression i believe there was an interfaith dialogue in in delhi about uh, 10 to 12 years back i mean it happens every year when leaders of different faiths uh, come together and i believe a leader of another faith asked uh, the person who's, who was representing the christian faith there one of the bishops and he asked what is it that your god can do that our gods can't you know a very challenging question he put in that interfaith dialogue and one of the responses that this bishop stood up and said was our god can forgive you know and uh, that is so 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 much part of our christian faith that we have a god who loves us and can forgive us and verse 19 says uh, verse 18 the last bit says you do not stay angry forever but but delight to show mercy it's something that he loves to do he delights to show mercy you will again have compassion on us you will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea I think through the old testament there were many pictures that god gave about his about the way he would forgive us there's one verse which says he will put our sins behind his back there is this verse which says he will tread our sins underfoot and uh, this verse also says he will uh, hurl our iniquities into, into the depths of the of the sea yeah these are all different ways which uh, which will project to a common man that god has uh, dealt with our sin in in psalm 103 how he says as far as the east is from the west so far has he separated our sins from us and then in the new testament how it comes so beautifully where it says he put our sins on the cross and nailed it there you know but all of these are uh uh are verses uh, which say how he deals uh with our sin i like this restoring love of god and uh, i love this picture also it's a i don't know somehow the artist has portrayed a father who i mean he is really running and if you look at the and look at the expressions on his face i mean he is looking forward for something as he is running he is looking to his son i'm sure he must have spotted him or even if he didn't see him if news came home that your son is lost i think he is caught somewhere and here's a dad who just drops everything and runs And Psalm 23 so beautifully says that he restores my soul. You know, among all the restorations that we can have, I think uh, the greatest restoration that we can have is for our is for our soul. Yeah? And uh without that restoration there is there can be a restlessness that comes inside. Like when Cain killed Abel and God was dealing with Cain and God deals with all of us also when we sin. And and Cain tells god i will be a restless wanderer on the face of the earth you know he was it was i think it had already set in uh, the consequences of his murder of his own brother that a restlessness in his soul 
And I'm sure David also went through this restlessness several times and God restored it, you know. And that's why he put it down when he said, he restores us, he restores my soul. The unconditional love of God, and I think the best example of, the best thought of an unconditional love is the love that uh, our parents can have for us, you know, or we can have for our children, uh, be it father, be it mother, you know. And uh, here Psalm 27 verse 10 says, even if my father and my mother abandon me, the Lord will never leave me, it says. In this version it says, the Lord will hold me close. Psalm Isaiah 49 says, can a mother ever forget uh, her baby that she once held at her breast? Can never, you know, that can never happen. I mean, God, I mean, he's throwing the challenge himself. Can a mother ever forget? In the sense that she cannot. But then it closes by saying, even if she does, you know, it's a double challenge almost. Even if she does, I will never, I will never forget you. The faithful love of God, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, it says, even when we are unfaithful, he continues to be faithful because he cannot deny who he is. That's his nature. He cannot... He cannot deny who he is. Even if we deny who he is, he cannot deny who he is. And uh, I look at this uh, picture in um, Peter. Peter denied Christ, you know. For, I mean, at that point, I'm thinking he must have been fearful. He must have just wanted to be there with Jesus for whatever reason he denied. And, uh, And God catches up to him. And it was not that Jesus loved him any less, you know. Jesus was not not trying to reassure his love for Peter because his love was an unchanging love. But he was just trying to reassure uh, whether Peter still loved him. You understand? Because life had taken Peter through a certain circumstance that uh, Peter went back fishing. You know, he threw up his towel and went back fishing and 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 God wanted to just re- wanted to ask Peter again. Peter, do you love me, Peter? Because I still love you. There's no doubt about whether I love you or not. I still love you, but I just want to know whether you still love me. And God would ask Peter, uh, "Do you love me?" Three times, you know, just to make sure that things were clear between them. That even if even if we are unfaithful, He is still faithful. Uh, one of my favorite verses, Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, it says, But God directed his love towards us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. You know, I put it there that uh, Christ died for me when there was nothing good about me, nothing to feel proud about me. You know, And uh, I like the way the, I think the message translation puts it, I loved you at your darkest. You know, Same Romans chapter 5 verse 8, how it portrays God's love for us, that he loved us, at not the best moment in our life. Of course, he loves us in the best moment, but he still loved us in our, in our darkest moment. I like the way the psalmist David puts it when he says, uh, you know, even though I climb the highest mountain, you are there. Even if I go to the deepest ocean, you are there. Even if I build my bed in hell, in Sheol, it says, behold, even there your right hand will hold me. In the sense that God would never let go of us. You know? It's a love that would come chasing after us and get us no matter where we are in life. Yeah, He loved me at my darkest. Uh, well, in the, in, the, in the few times that I've been to, U- to US, at least to Boston, I'm sure even Dr. Sunil would uh, maybe remember, 
there were many roads as we drove through Boston that there would be people holding placards up like this. And the placard would just say, hungry, need help. Or homeless, need some shelter. Or poor, need food. You know, there'll be people on the road uh, or people, uh, you know, uh, at, at busy junctions. And they would just hold a placard and stand there and you could lower your car window and you could give the money or food or whichever. Is that okay? But I also feel that there are many who, who also hold placards up saying, uh, uh, I'm sinful and I need, I need some forgiveness, you know. And I think that is a greater need among people. And it may, they may not be carrying flags up like that, but the sense is like that. The sense is like many people putting their, their placards up saying, sinful need salvation. If there was a way out, I want to try it out. Is that Okay. I remember my, my, my own time when, when, when God touched me when I was in my pre-final year, uh, when one of my classmates, uh, uh, he gave me the gospel and, uh, and, and one of the things he said was, there is a savior even who will forgive us. And that word savior hit me like a, you know, like a bolt of lightning. Because at that point of my life, I, if there was a savior, I surely needed him. I surely needed him. And the word savior made so much sense to me at that point. And if there was an offer of salvation that God would give, I would surely take it at that point of time. You know? And I wish that we would also would be sensitive to this fact that there are many uh, who are carrying this placard saying, sinful need some forgiveness. You know? As we as Christians, you know, we know there is a place that we can go. You know? Before our exam, we know there is a place where we can go and pray. And if you do badly in our exam and we flunk it, there is a place that we go and say, uh, God, I've just messed up. It's all right. You know, and God will give us a reassurance. You know, and we're going through any difficult time. We lost a loved one. We are, our children are sick. Uh, we, there is a place where we go and we pray. You know, there's a place where we go and, and offload our burdens. And I look at some of our, our non-Christian colleagues and friends and I, and I wonder, where do they do it? Where do they go pray? I mean, where is this God where they would go and with that assurance that God will heal my, my, my child or with that assurance that God will, will get me through this difficult phase, you know? What did they do to, to offload their burden? Is that okay? And uh, I believe there are many like this. Why do you think the shepherd is carrying this sheep? There, there are others walking down. Huh? Weak. Momentary weakness or not as strong as the others? Perhaps. Maybe a season of weakness. Maybe hurt. Maybe injured. Maybe lost and frightened. You know? It may have been just that sheep that, that the shepherd went and picked up that was lost and frightened and, you know, and and this shepherd was just put it over the shoulder and said, you stay on my shoulder for a while till your heart rate comes on a bit and I'll let you down after that. You know, it's that kind of sense where the shepherd is holding the sheep uh, because this sheep among the other sheep uh, needs a little more care and a little more love for this season. Are you with me? And uh, this thing also portrays the fact that there are many who are in need of that saviour. First Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, Paul writes his uh, testimony down very briefly. And then he says, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy. You know, what a great statement. Uh, it was not even grace, it was mercy. 
mercy is the extreme where you you are totally gone and intentionally done things that have upset him and you know for sure that god is upset with you and he could have dealt with you anyhow and he has probably dealt very sternly but still it is because of his mercy that he still holds on to you understand mercy is that extreme love this when paul says i was even though i was once a blasphemer a persecutor and a, and a and a violent man i'm not sure what kind of violence uh, paul had but he says the grace of our lord jesus christ was poured out on me abundantly and then that became his uh, his uh, his life and his mission statement you know he says however i consider my life worth nothing to me if only i may finish the race and complete the task the lord jesus has given me the task of testifying to the gospel of god's grace it's not only gospel but the gospel was about god's grace you know and he says i i hope that i may finish testifying about the gospel of god's grace you know and uh, if you look at this uh, uh, this grace i just want to take you through a couple of verses what is this uh, what is this gospel of god's grace very simple the gospel that we've always heard that to sin separated us from god isaiah puts it down so beautifully but your iniquities have separated you from god your sins have hidden you from his face and then uh, there's this huge gulf between man and god and then uh, so what is sin again if i let scripture explain scripture 1 john chapter 5 verse 7 says that all wrong doing is sin no all wrong doing all wrong doing according to who all wrong do- all wrong doing according to what god has put in the scriptures okay and sin has broken relationships at all levels and the worst thing is sin has broken relationship with ourselves and sometimes we we don't like ourselves because because of the of the kind of people we are you know and i don't ac- accept who i am because uh i don't like me sometimes because of the things i do like how paul puts it the very things i hate to do i i keep doing uh who will rescue me wretched man that i am you know and uh, and sin builds brings guilt and shame that's the worst thing that it does you know it it not only brings separation and brokenness it also brings guilt and shame and the solution for for sin uh out of desperation people have tried different things you know uh, good works or religion or money or morality but the the solution for sin was a person you know it was not any of the other things like this verse from first timothy where it says for there is one god and one mediator between god and man mankind the man christ jesus who gave himself as a as a ransom you know a, a ransom was a, a price that was paid i give this example suppose uh, suppose my daughter was kidnapped which i which i believe would never happen but imagine this guy who's who's kidnapped says uh, i uh, 50 lakh bucks meet me at this place uh, I, i'll give her back to you man i'll go work like anything to get that 50 lakh bucks you know i will work till i get that 50 lakh bucks and meet this guy and just pay it off because my daughter means everything to me you understand that's ransom ransom is when i pay an amount which is which is hugely expensive for me but i will still do it because the joy that i'm going to get out of it is much more yeah and uh, here christ jesus gave himself as a ransom Now I'm just going to go through a little bit of the sacrificial love and I wish you would catch some of these verses. So the solution for sin in the Old Testament was a penalty. Okay? And the penalty was was blood. 
you know and sometimes it it sounds so uh, cruel or wicked like, almost like god would demand a sacrifice it was blood for blood if i if i if i committed a sin that uh, that demanded uh, my death uh, and if i wanted to save my life i have to give life for life you understand and uh, the bible says that the life of an animal is in its blood okay it's there in the in the book uh, of leviticus that the life of an animal is in its blood so if life has to go be replaced for life it has to be blood you know that's the only way i could understand sacrifice and then uh, imagine uh, uh, an, an old testament sacrifice i think i've i've shared this before but imagine if, if i did uh, if i did something wrong okay and uh, imagine we lived in a community like our, our own college campus imagine the temple was the skado auditorium imagine if i sinned and i needed to there were two ways to offer sacrifice for sin one was the sin offering that could happen whenever you sinned the other one was the day of atonement okay that was a separate day set apart but otherwise there was a sin a sin offering that you take to the temple imagine if i had sinned and then i asked my dad i need a goat and then he asked for what and i said i can't tell you Uh, and I, and then he out of his generosity he gives me a goat so i put that goat over my shoulder and i'm walking through my community i pass through 10 houses to reach skado auditorium imagine that was the temple and then i give it to the priest who sacrifices it on my behalf imagine a couple of days later i do something else and i know it's a sin and then i go to my dad again and i say i need another goat and he is very upset with me he says now what did you do now and this rebellious teenager that i am i look at him and say i can't tell you but i need another goat and out of his generosity he still gives me another goat and i take it walk past those 10 houses in my community take it to the temple and give it can you imagine a couple of weeks down i take another goat and i'm walking through and i'm and i'm walking through again imagine what the what my people in my neighborhood must be thinking about me there he goes again my god this fellow will never change just look at him God only knows what he's done. Are you are you with me? Now that was confession when I carried that lamb and went into the temple it was a confession. Everybody in my neighborhood knew that this guy has been up to some some mischief. Are you with me? But confession was public in the Old Testament. Okay? But in in our situation today if we do something wrong and then we want to ask god for forgiveness you know we can lock ourselves in the privacy of our room and cry out to god to forgive us you know and we have a god who will forgive us also how beautiful it is you know that our confessions are sometimes not even public it is so private that even in the quietness of our room we could confess and say god i'm sorry you know but the but the important thing is that uh, is confession that we need to make yeah in the new testament christ became that atoning sacrifice i just want us to take uh, go through a couple of verses you, uh, i would wish that you would notice down because uh, some of these verses uh, uh, we need to know okay uh, romans chapter 3 was 25 and 26 it says god presented him as a sacrifice of atonement what a beautiful verse no god presented him as a sacrifice of atonement you know for a long time i thought that christ offered himself which is true he went uh, did that all by himself but then to think that uh, that how the priest would offer a sacrifice for us and here it is god presented him as a sacrifice of atonement 
Is that okay? And then it says in verse 26, he did it to demonstrate his justice. So then it is not like how my colleague put it. Yara, you fellows, Christian fellows will do whatever you want and then you go and ask God to forgive, he'll forgive. Of course it is partly true. But then uh, if you look at it from God's side, it was did it because of his justice. You know, Every time in his justice there was always mercy. Okay? Uh, Romans chapter 8 verse 3 and 4 it says for what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering Okay, there's another verse which, which talks about God the father who offered his son up as a sin offering the previous one was a sacrifice of atonement and this is a sin offering is that okay so it's very powerful imageries when, when, when what Christ did on the cross for us is what God did by presenting him as a sacrifice of atonement. Okay? And the sacrifice was a one-time complete sacrifice. Okay? It is very comforting sometimes to know that that what Christ did was one time and he's not going to do it again. Okay? And that single sacrifice covers me for my lifetime. So, okay? A single sacrifice done 2,000 years ago, much before I was born, Okay, much before I was born, he redeemed me. He redeemed all of us. Is that okay? It was a one-time eternal sacrifice. We'll just go through some of these verses. And uh, Hebrews chapter 10, okay, 11 to 14, it says, Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifice, which can never take away his sins. But when this priest had offered for all time, one sacrifice for sins, okay, when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the hand at the right hand of God. Since that time, he, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Verse 18 says, And where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. There is no longer need for another sacrifice for sin. Are you with me? There is no longer need for another sacrifice for sin. He is not going to do it again. He is not going to do it again for some sin that I might commit in the future. Is that okay? Not that I want to commit, but his grace has covered it. It was a one-time sacrifice that covers for our sins. Not only for our sins. The comforting thing to know is that it is for the sins of our children and for our grandchildren. Is that okay? And it is, it is, it is a sacrifice that, that covers over our sin. How beautiful it is. A one-time sacrifice. Sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 7. Okay, it's another verse. I'm just reading from verse uh, 27. Unlike the other high priest, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered up himself. Okay, it's, it's nice to know that it was a one time sacrifice. It covered forever sacrifice for sins. Okay. Hebrews chapter 9, uh, another verse, verse 12. It says, he, do, he did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. Again, it is an eternal redemption. It is not a, it is not an, a redemption for a season, but it was an eternal redemption that he did for us. Okay, And the deposit of that, uh, of the guarantee, the Bible says the guarantee of the eternal sacrifice or redemption for us is that the is the deposit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Is that okay? The deposit of the Holy Spirit, the book of Hebrews says, is uh, is a guarantee for our eternal redemption. How beautiful. Is that okay? 
he's like he's he's put a seal on us is that the presence of the holy spirit in our lives is a guarantee for his eternal redemption for our lives okay colossians chapter 2 i like this verse very very much colossians chapter 2 i'm reading from verse 13 when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature god made you alive with christ he forgave us all our sins again another beautiful verse he forgave us all our sins having cancelled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us he took it away nailing it to the cross and having disarmed the powers and authorities he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross see the death of christ for us was he didn't he didn't die in the in the back of somebody's backyard you know he didn't he didn't die in a in a in a nowhere place he died in a place that was a public spectacle he made himself a public spectacle in the sense that all of heaven knew and all of hell knew that this death that he did for us was a public event is that okay no when we when we were small uh, i think that's when that that poster came out the poster of uh, the cross with that uh, beautiful crimson uh, cloth you know and then that uh, writing which says uh, i asked jesus how much he loved me and this much he said and he stretched out his arms and he died you no know? everyone the first time i saw it in ls tears started rolling down my 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 cheek it was so powerful i asked jesus how much he loved me this much he said and he stretched out his arms and he died it was a public demonstration of his love for us you know the proof of his love for us was his death for us if if we are to ask ourselves today what is the proof of our love for him what is the proof of our love for him what would we say if i asked him what is the proof of your love for me lord he, no that poster says i stretched out my arms and i died on the cross for you it was a public spectacle is that okay if christ were to ask us what is the proof of your love what would we have to say next verse uh yeah so then we have this question you know does does uh, does god understand my temptations and my weaknesses of course he does hebrews chapter 4 says we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are but yet was without sin okay it is not that he does not understand us but sometimes to meet people who will understand the struggles that we are going through is uh, is very difficult so somebody said if you want to have a good mentor for your life you have to have a mentor who's gone through everything in life otherwise if they've not gone through everything in life they can be very judgmental and critical of what you're going through but if you have a, a a mentor who's gone through stuff in life but he has learned to overcome it and then he becomes a very good mentor he'll give you the correct advice that you would need you know and he'll give you the good encouragement that you need and then this verse says that we have a high priest who's who's been through everything yet without sin tempted in every way yet without sin and he is able to to sympathize or empathize with our weakness is that okay he is able to sympathize with our weakness because he has been tempted in every way just as we are without sin so how does it apply to us how does this whole thing appear to us revelation chapter 3 verse 20 beautiful verse which says uh, here i am i stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice uh, and opens the door i will come in okay and uh, i love this picture i love this verse because uh, you know after christ rose from the dead when he was there in the upper room 
I mean, when he, when all the disciples were gathered together, and the Bible says the doors and windows were shut because they were scared of people who would come and arrest them and take them away. The Bible says that Christ came through closed doors. You know, he never asked them their permission whether he could come into that room. Even though they were shut up and closed in that room, he came through closed doors. He said, "Okay." But then this verse says, uh, if he wants to come into our hearts, you know, if he wants to come into our lives, he doesn't come in like that. He could. He's God. He's sovereign. He could just walk into your life anytime he do- he wants, but he doesn't. He just stands there. He knocks at the door of our hearts and says, "I'd come in only if you would let me in." You know, I'd come in only if you would let me in. Such a gentleman he is. So, how does this this whole thing uh, appear? Uh, I mean, uh, uh, this thing to us. Like this verse, Hosea chapter 14, verse 2, both the sacrificial love of God. How, how, how can we appropriate the whole thing? You know? So when these people took a sacrifice and, and walked through the community into the, into the temple, that was the show of their confession. You know? I like this verse in Hosea chapter 14, verse 2, where God says, uh, take words with you. You know? Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. Take words. If there's one thing that I can take today and get back to God, is I need to carry words with me. You know? And because it has come from God itself, I, I think that is what he wants. That if, if we do something wrong, uh, the best way to get back is to carry words with us and come to him. What a beautiful verse. You know? It's not money, not a song. It's just take words and come back. I want to close with this, uh, uh, with these verses in 1 John chapter 1. Uh, I'll just have my Bible. 1 John chapter 1. Would you just turn with me to 1 John chapter 1? I just want to read a couple of verses from that. 1 John chapter 1. I'm reading uh, verse 9. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. It says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. Okay? There is, if you read all through the book of Leviticus and Deuteronomy and all of those things, it says when, when anyone sins and then he comes to God either with a sacrifice or with words and say, God, I've sinned. There has never been a moment when God says, I'll think about it. You know? Uh, I have many other verses which, which end by saying, and they will be forgiven and they will be forgiven and they will be forgiven. There is no time in the Bible where God says, I'll think about it. You know, and and very true to all of those verses. Here it says, "If you, uh, but if we, um, uh, verse nine, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness." Beautiful verse. What we need to do is carry words with us and come and tell Him, Lord, I'm sorry, I've sinned. You know, one John chapter two. I'm reading the first two verses. 1 John chapter 2 uh, was first two verses. Uh, this, chap- this book was written by John and this John was the beloved disciple of Christ. You know, there are many times in the, in the Gospels where it says that this beloved dis- disciple was resting on the bosom of Jesus. You know, this person was so uh, close to Jesus. And I believe he caught the heart of Christ much more perhaps than the other people. And that's why 1 John, the, the whole the whole book 
it's about god's love it talks about god's love i like the way he beautifully starts off this 1 john chapter 2 it says my dear children i write this to you so that you will not sin no his his uh, his wish is that we would not sin my dear children i write this to you so that you will not sin but but if anybody does sin we have one who speaks to the father in our defense jesus christ the righteous one he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours but also for the sins of the whole world what a beautiful verse no my dear children i write this to you so that you will not sin but if anybody sins he you know he just wants to put that but because to give us hope you know because otherwise if we if we sin and we don't know how to get out of this thing we'll be stuck in that you know and how he says i hope that you will not sin but if you sin we have one who speaks to the father in our defense jesus christ the righteous one he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins not only for ours but also for the sins of the whole world i look at this verse as a as a courtroom scene but it says we have one who stands before the father in our defense as our defense lawyer imagine if i have committed a crime okay and uh, and and i i am pulled up to court is that okay so imagine i have a i have a defense lawyer for myself and i have an opponent and the opponent also has a lawyer for himself and there is a judge listening to both the lawyers you know usually we keep silent the lawyers speak except if the judge wants something to ask us are you with me so imagine i have committed a crime i have a defense lawyer and there's somebody else and they also have a lawyer and then there's a judge and your defense lawyer will always speak to you that you did the right thing you know or even if you did a criminal offense he will always speak to to decrease the punishment you know that's how the lawyers are our lawyers will try to change the situation in such a way that they will always speak in our defense in the sense that if i committed a major crime they will say that you know do you know why he committed the crime or they will say there was no evidence of the crime there's no evidence the first thing is they will try to say there's no evidence of the crime you know there was no witness there was no evidence and then whatever it is even if the crime is proved they will try to decrease the the, the punishment for the crime in, in, instead of imprisonment for 10 years they may try to fight to make it 1 year or 2 years you understand that's a defense lawyer and then i i think of that courtroom scene where here paul says my dear children i write this to you so that you don't sin but if you do i want you to remember that there's somebody who stands in defense of you in front of the father one who has offered himself as an atoning sacrifice you know it is that sacrifice that will cover my sin it is that sacrifice that covers my criminal offense are you with me it is that sacrifice that uh, paid the price which i should have paid i should have been on punishment i should have been imprisoned or whatever it was but it was a price that was paid instead of me that would take my defense Are you with me okay i want to close here i just want to just sum up what i what i shared we started by talking about the the love of god that i wish we knew in our in our lifetime get a glimpse of how, how high how deep and how wide god's love for us can be we spoke about this restoring love of god the love that would restore and restoration of our soul is possibly the greatest thing that can happen I showed you that picture of that father running 
and i could never forget the expressions on even on the this this father's face on this painting you know about the speed at which he would run to get his son out of trouble you know and uh, god's love was a sacrificial love and the the solution for sin was a person you know in the old testament it was a penalty it was a public demonstration a public confession and in the new testament it is about this person of christ whom god offered up as an atoning sacrifice is it okay and the power of confession what confession can do in our lives and i wish that in our own lives every time we stray away that we would carry words back you know that we would not be ashamed to carry words with us when we come back to god shall we just pray dear heavenly father i just want to thank you lord for today thank you lord for your great love for us your extravagant love that is so generous much and beyond what we could ever deserve lord we thank you for your grace on our lives even beyond that lord we thank you lord for several times you have been so merciful to us lord thank you lord for loving us in spite of us hurting you several times pray god that you would cover us our families our children thank you lord for who you are to us god we do not want to think less of what you've done for us your sacrifice that you paid for us the ransom that you gave for us and god even this morning father if there's anything in our hearts lord that offends you that makes you upset or sad i pray father that you would show it to us lord so that we may change our lives thank you father once again in jesus name i pray amen